Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hog now with Maitland outside and Stuart Hogg. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Thistle Rugby Podcast, the podcast formerly known as the only podcast that cares about Scottish rugby. How are you guys doing? It is Wednesday afternoon. I am with Matt. How are you? Back from Sacramento. Yeah, no, I'm good, mate. Um, just like to clear up this this bit of fake news that's been um, Not kicking fake around news. in my uh, in my absence. I was actually uh, lucky enough to be in Kenya on uh, a little safari, which is absolutely amazing. So. Lucky enough to see lions, uh, cheetah, uh, leopard. What about uh, any hippos? Oh, no, yeah. Did you see the photos of him and Heather? <laughs> so. That is unfair. So and low, that lets, low, it's just too easy. That too lets easy. you know that we are also joined by Alan. Great to be here, <laughs> as always. And great to have Matt back. It is good to have him back. Although, you know, we've got record listeners without him. We should just get Alan from Galway back, shouldn't we? That is true. Uh, and just to say, Heather is a wonderful woman and doesn't look like a hippo. Doesn't. Not even, no. a, li- not even a little bit. Not so. even a little bit. Well done, Matt. Well done, you. Um, moving swiftly on from that <laughs> to remind you guys that you can, of course, follow us on uh, the ACAST podcast app or on iTunes or on Twitter. We've had a really busy week on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod. We'll get a bit more into our activities on Twitter, particularly with one Sunday Times journalist um, a little bit later on. But um, as always, you guys have been really vocal, letting us know how we're getting on. We've had a couple of great reviews. Um, One um, which came after that amazing win on Saturday from um, King Sir Legend, 
It says, Alan, you need to lighten up. Where's the belief? I think, you know, when you give someone advice and tell them to, like, calm down, and then they get even worse. I think I might just go full, <laughs> sort of pessimistic, <laughs> like, full <laughs> pessimistic off the scale. I think we have to. It's obviously working for us, so yeah. I think that's fine. And the second one, which will lead us into our, a little chat as well, is from Ian B in Edinburgh. Um, he says, the only podcast that cares about Scottish rugby and would disgrace a 10-year-old. Credit to 17 times Rugby Writer of the Year nominee and angry Twitter man, Stephen Jones. So that, <laughs> that leads on to um, a little bit of news, I suppose. We had a bit of a spat with the Sunday Times' um, premium, or I suppose he'd call himself the premium uh, rugby writer, um, when all we did was we, he had put Rob Carney as his Lions 15. We questioned it to say that Stuart Hogg had played him off the park. And we got blocked and called a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I don't know. And then, obviously, our, our loyal, our faithful um, Thistle Nats just got on there. And um, he was blocking everybody, wasn't he? It was completely bonkers. It was absolutely amazing. There was some real cyber warfare on behalf of a lot of the Thistle um, podcast fans, which is quite funny in the end. Um, I can maybe see him blocking them, but... I mean, all we did was disagree with one of his selections, and I'm sure he gets that all the time. And if he's blocking everyone who does it, then he's not going to be off Twitter. It's a bizarre, bizarre man. Bizarre, and he seems to be very, very proud of it. I mean, I'd be proud if I was 17 times awarded or nominated for Rugby Writer of the Year, but I wouldn't be shouting it at, you know, a couple of podcast part-timers. It's a bit, it's a bit strange. It is a bit strange. Um, he's, he kind of comes across like the Donald Trump of <laughs> British journalism. <laughs> Complete, thinner, thinner skin, probably. Yeah, has a, quite a lot of like authority and prestige, but is just completely <laughs> mental. <laughs> but well, well, good luck to you, Stephen. You know, you probably aren't listening. You, yeah. you said you said that our website would um, disgrace a ten-year-old, but we don't have a website. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, fair enough. Why fair not? Why enough. not? Why not crack on? Listen, uh, keep doing what you're doing. Um, Right, we're going to get into our three Thistle issues. Obviously, we're going to be talking about the, uh, the great win against Ireland on Saturday. So what did we learn from that? Looking ahead to the France game on Sunday, so what does Scotland have to do to get themselves off to two from two at the start? And then three, we'll have the, um, the compulsory Lions conversation at the end and talk about which Scots did themselves some favours and maybe who, um, maybe who didn't or who maybe somebody just put their hands up. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that at the end. But... Before that, I've got a list in front of me. Scottish rugby transfer news has seemed to have really kicked off this week. Obviously, with the biggest one, Monday afternoon, Hugh Jones to Glasgow. Yeah, Hugh Jones to Glasgow. So I think he's actually not going to be coming till December, probably 2017, because he's signed up for Super Rugby and Curry Cup season. Has he done Curry Cup as well? Which takes him up to the end of October. So then, really? And then you'll have Autumn Internationals. But yeah, so I, th I think it's really, really exciting. Um, with, and then with Pete Horn and Dunbar signed up, yep. I think the big thing is what happens to Bennett. And yeah, so Mark Palmer, our favourite um, Sunday Times rugby journalist, um, <laughs> he, he had the scoop on, um, I think on Sunday morning, that Bennett, that Edinburgh are pretty much in for Bennett and it could be going, he could be going uh, along the M8 to Edinburgh. Yeah, well, there's obviously a lot of chat that he was going to go to, to Newcastle as well. And I think overall, this is a better move for both for him, for Edinburgh, and for Scottish rugby as a whole. I think keeping him in the country is, keeping him Scottish professional rugby is really important. And, you know, hopefully he can sort of 
um, be the spark that sort of ignites an Edinburgh backline. It's been pretty pedestrian for the last few years, particularly in the centres. So, I mean, it's a, sh- it's a shame for him. I think he'll be gutted to leave Glasgow because that's where he's from and everything. But I, th- I think it could be quite a good move. I think, it, I think it could be good. I think it equally could be really bad. He could get dragged down and to be playing in this really uninteresting backline that's got no real creativity with a huge amount of burden falling on him. So, I don't know. Like, I'm... I, I'm, I don't know. I wouldn't recommend anyone goes to Edinburgh at the moment. So to see a player like w- that we know that can play like Bennett to going there, I don't know. I'm not. I can't get excited about it. No, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I still think there's a lot of potential in that Edinburgh team. They've got the good pack. I think Blair Kinghorn, Hoyland are really, really good players. And I, I hope that Bennett is one of a few signings that they're going to make. Well, I, mean, I hope so. Yeah. I'd be very surprised if it was the only one. Yeah, well, they obviously. I think we won't talk about it today, but there's lots of rumours about them getting a new head man as well. Cockerell's name being mentioned as yeah. well. So the draw that a guy like him coming in could make to Edinburgh would be uh, could be significant. Um, more transfer news: Favaro leaving Glasgow. Yeah, and Strauss and Strauss also being allowed to go, looking like he's off to Newcastle. Yeah, so I don't know. I guess two kind of older players. Um, I think Favaro, not only is he not Scottish, but he goes away for the Six Nations, so he can't cover Glasgow during the Six Nations period. Um, got a few young guys coming in. It's sad to see them it's sad to see them both go, especially Strauss, because he's coming to such a rich vein of form. Playing for that contract, though, isn't he? He is playing for that he contract. He wants a contract. I mean, Sh- Strauss has got... I mean, I'm surprised Strauss is going to Newcastle. He has got a big buck French contract written all over him. Yeah, I mean, that, we'll see whether he actually ends up there. Maybe maybe if he keeps playing out of his skin in the Six What's Nations, the he'll be priced out of the market for Newcastle. It's the Scottish Legion at, at Newcastle. It's you great. Know, he's, he's, seen he's just such a patriotic Scot that he, yeah. you know, if he's going to leave Glasgow, he's going to go to the next best He's thing. seen how John Welsh's games come on leaps and bounds <laughs> down there. You he's know? been wanting to get that chip kicking for he's years. He's been wanting to get it going. This is his chance. Been ta- he has been talking about it. Um, and But they've already talked about how they're going to replace them. Um, is it Gibbons? The chat they're talking about bringing in for Favaro? Yeah, I think so. So um, I imagine this is Dave Rennie's influence coming into the mix. Um, and he's a flanker that plays for for the Hurricanes in New Zealand. I don't think he's played too much um, rugby in terms of actual caps for, uh, for the Hurricanes. Um, he's had 25 caps over the last so two years. It's not too so bad. It's not too bad. I mean, a bit of a, a bit part Championship player. Championship winning teams as well. Um, well, that's the thing. Um, I mean, he's not... He's not super young. He's like 20, 29 or so. So hopefully he's a sort of experienced player that could come in. Um, I mean, Dave Rennie's been following him and he thinks he can cut it. Why not? Yeah. And, no, exactly. um, and who's we'll this other chap? Kebble. Is it Kebble? Yeah, Ollie, Ollie Kebble, who's a prop from the Stormers. So supposedly he's actually best mates with Hugh Jones. Maybe he has a word in his ear. Oh, that's good. Because um, I think he's, he's 20. He's a wee flat on the Byers Road together. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I think he's he's like 24 years old and playing for the Stormers, uh, Western Province. And actually, I think Munster wanted to bring him over as a project player last year. So I don't know, it speaks you know, something Fair about enough. what the SRU are up to. Um, and presumably, he's going to become a project player as well. Yeah. And it looks like Edinburgh missed out on Ben Smith, the New Zealand fullback. <laughs> Real shame. Yeah, thought they, thought tough they, one. Thought they, thought they were going to get him. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, we'll wait to see. It's a shame Kieran Reid signed on as well. He was probably looking at a big... To be this uh, all-black number eight is coming across to Edinburgh, though. It's a well-trodden path. You'd expect him to, to follow Blackadder's lead. Just saving all the cash for Bowden Barrett. That's, it's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing. That's they, the big fish. They do need the 10. They do need they the do 10. They do really need him. Um, right, um, quickly, let's tick off a couple other things on my list. Edinburgh 10, Monster 9 on Friday night. 
Yeah. No, that's not right. Munster 10, Edinburgh Munster 9. Munster 10, <laughs> Edinburgh 9. Very quickly, Hardy back, looked pretty good. Damien Hoyland, actually, I thought, looked pretty sharp. Um, it was an awful, awful <laughs> game. I, uh, I promised my girlfriend a romantic Friday night in, and we watched Munster v Edinburgh. Lovely. In the rain. And then the second half of the Scotland under-20 game. It's a nice double header, actually, to yeah. be fair to her. So, and she cooked dinner, so it was absolutely <laughs> delightful. <laughs> There's um, a winner. That, and the under-20s, you mentioned, um, lost by a point. Yeah, I mean, actually, when I was watching this game, I didn't see all of it, but the Scotland pack, especially, were absolute class. Um, good Stu Melboy and Hunter Hill in the row. He's absolutely massive, that lad. Yeah, he's a big boy. But then Xander Ferguson's little brother, who I've actually, I can't remember his first name, was playing... Matt Ferguson was playing seven. And I don't know what's going on at Strath Allen because they've, they are building, they're making some big boys because they've got the Fergusons and Jamie Ritchie have come out in the last three years. They're feeding them up. If, I mean, this, he's meant to be like 19 and he literally looks like Josh. He's got like the size <laughs> of Josh. It's a complete farce. I think um, it's just good. It's the f- it, for for so long, our age groups were like whip, proper whipping boys in that tournament. Yeah. So it's just awesome, even if they are losing games, like to be competitive. It shows that we've got good quality talent coming through that will hopefully be able to make that step up into the pr- uh, professional game. No, definitely. And I think uh, the other thing, the ten, this guy, I think it's Josh Henderson, who's been playing for Hawks this year. Yeah. Looks really good. Very much in the kind of, a uh, very much like Finn Russell sort of player. Oh, that's good. He, he's another Strathallan guy as well. So, yeah, there's a really old conveyor belt. What's happening up there? So they're playing. Obviously, they're playing France this weekend, and I think that they've they've actually made wholesale changes to the whole team. So I, I don't know whether last week was their best team or not. I don't. I don't know. But I know that Matt Ferguson's not playing, and Ross McCann, who's sort of top try scorer in the BT Prem this year, isn't playing either. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Um, well, best of luck to the lads. And um, the ladies lost last play of the game. That was a real shame. Yeah, I know. It, it is a real shame. But I think someone said they lost by like 60 points to Ireland last year. Oh, well. So I guess in terms of progress, it looks like um, they're really sort of getting along. And I know obviously it continues their sort of barren spell of, um, I think it's what, six years without a win? I think it's six years without a win. But yeah, I mean, look, they're obviously going forward. So yeah. One final bit of news that I wanted to raise, but I didn't want to tell Alan about it pre-recording. Dent Wheezy's back for Bath. Oh, yeah? Denton's back playing, mate. You might okay? have to go up to Bath and injure him. You might have to go, you might have to go <laughs> and get stuck in. Um, well, he's back. Played, um, he played last week. And I think he's playing again. I think they're playing Northampton this uh, Friday night. So he's back. Dent Wheezy. I wish him well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that, should we, uh, should we crack on? Should we have a look at what was an amazing day? I was at Murrayfield. What an amazing day um, Saturday was. Um, Matt, you were watching it from Kenya. So give us a dispatch from Nairobi. How did it look? Yeah, Matt managed to somehow get the game on uh, Super Sport TV, which I think says a lot of the South African rugby as well. And it, it was really good. Um, yeah, I, I found that the first half was absolutely incredible. And I, I actually will admit that the second half, I found two tents and I went for a walk <laughs> until the last 10 minutes, which is a bit pathetic, but Plastic it sounds as if I, I missed sort of the really stressful stuff. But um, no, I think it was great. Obviously, the first half was really incredible and I don't think anyone could quite believe their eyes. Um, and actually, probably the most encouraging thing for me is that, you know, they only played well for about sort of 45, 50 minutes of the match. And if they can actually put together an 80-minute performance um, and cut out a lot of the errors and 
just uh, I think make sure you hold on to the ball, then you know I think the team could keep going forward as well. I don't think they've reached their potential yet. I don't think so. I think th- the the first half was unbelievable, and it didn't. We didn't have any possession, and it's amazing that when you think about watching Scotland for the last ten years, the number of times we've dominated possession but never been able to get over the line. But we had the first two touches of the first two attacks. We essentially scored really good team. The first try was a great team try. I think they got a little bit lucky with the bounce of the ball. Ringrose had to go for it, and the bounce went to Hogg. Still did a cracking job of controlling it um, and putting it away. But then the second try was just, it was amazing. Just like absolute jets. There is still no defense that can can line up to just like pure pace like that. Yeah, I think the key thing was just how clinical they were. I think all, all three of the tries were very different. I think you're right. The first try was all about sort of building the phases. The second try was just nailing like a four on three. Yeah, which, is, which Scotland don't do. Which Scotland don't do. And the third one was just like a trick play that... And all three of those tries are just not how Scotland normally I know. score tries. And it was great. To, it, was just, it was actually just great to see. It was brilliant. I thought one thing that... I thought Hugh Jones, um, sort of the golden boy of Scottish rugby at the moment, like I thought he was a little bit off the pace. But one thing he did bring to both of those first sort of attacking moves is really straightening the line and just mark, hitting his man and then putting on a nice pass. Like genuinely just, you know, like setting a defence which puts Ireland on the back foot. Yeah, with the second try, what we kind of find if Hugh Jones had got that ball and just sort of shoveled it straight away, then Keith Earls is able to drift on to Stuart Hogg and make that tackle. But the fact that he sort of held on to it a second, kind of almost like fainted, just like a, a, a little dummy, mm. and then passed it a second later, it just meant that Earls had to sort of check his drift, and yeah. that and that actually made the try. Um, and that and actually, I was watching a, watching a bit of a replay of the game. And actually, Hugh Jones's passing is is really really good. It's yeah. not something I'd really sort of thought about too much, but he's actually got a really good distribution game. Um, and I actually, even though he was a bit off the boil, I'm really excited to see what he yeah. has to bring. I mean, I think it's what we've been talking about is can you pick him because he's not played rugby since November, and I think he showed he's not played rugby since November. But his skill set and just his physicality as well is just is brilliant. I think mm. he's got so much to offer us, and he's so young. What is he, 22, 23? Yeah, I think so. And I think that the fitness thing will, will come with, with games. Yeah. And it's great to get that under the belt. He is a weird guy, though. I was on Sean Maitland's Instagram, and he was filming um, Hugh Jones eating breakfast the morning after. Hugh Jones puts jam on his toast and then has fried eggs on top of it. That's quite weird. How weird is that? But Well, maybe that's the secret. Maybe that's it. That's a rugby player. Well, maybe we should all do it tomorrow morning, yeah. then. Well. I'm certainly having jam and eggs. <laughs> Um, but yeah, a few more things. I think that um, the Scotland's defence was absolutely incredible. Um, obviously, not having a lot of possession, you have to defend well. Um, and I thought that you know Ireland's big runners, the likes of O'Brien, and I, I thought Stander actually had a good game, but O'Brien, um, Devon Toner was made to look just like an absolute donkey. Like he's running yeah, straight into people and getting smashed. Um, so I thought the defence was really pleasing, and just the attitude sort of around the breakdown that there was a sort of you know. Ireland aren't getting past the, our line, aren't getting over the gain line. That was really, really, I thought really it was pleasing. Just, it was so just like raw and aggressive. It was un- unbelievable, like really going, um, like really running out of the line. It's kind of like, it's how Ireland defended against the All Blacks when they beat them in, yeah. in the autumn. They were shutting down people, not just on the gain line, but two or three metres before it. And I think the people that were leading that, making a huge, Xander Fagerson was absolutely awesome in defence. Um, Hamish Watson, Played 48 minutes and made 19 tackles. 
Yeah. I mean, that is just, that is, he's an animal. And also, Hamish Watson, yards after contact. Every time he takes the ball into contact, he seems to at least make one or two yards additional. Yeah, he's an absolute little beast. Um, I'd actually say that Hamish Watson was my man of the match. Yeah. For, and if, if I'm looking at the first 50 minutes, Hamish Watson was man of the match. And the last 30 minutes, John Barkley, John Barkley. Oh, was I my mean, man of the match. Yeah, yeah. And we think that we've had some word that we think the Scotland team is going to stay the same this, this weekend. A lot of people were thinking, and I, I personally thought that Barkley would probably start. But if that is how they're going to play it, maybe 50-30 or 60-20, we don't lose anything from that. Mm. Bringing on a guy with, yeah. with um, Barkley's experience and level head in the last 20 minutes is, is an amazing thing to be able to do. Yeah, I, that was going to be one of my main points. And it's something I think that we've sort of um, maligned in... in recent years that actually our bench has been pretty weak and when it's come on it's sort of it hasn't strengthened the cause at all but it seemed that when Barkley came on I mean what a great sub to make anyone in the Six Nations would be happy to have him um, and even Gordon Reed came on did a really good Gordy. job steadied the ship um, so that was really encouraging I, I think there's still a few worries um, overall the fact that these we switched off so badly it just seemed inevitable and there's something mental there which isn't quite right. I'm not sure if we switched off. I generally think Ireland were, if you look at it, Ireland just held on to the ball and they just, they just battered us. They kept it tight and they just really went for us. It's what they weren't able to do and they mm. were much more clinical. Because actually Ireland left loads of points out on the field in the first half. They were really scrappy, um, really poor at converting chances in the first half. Mm. Um, it was amazing being there, watching Ireland kick for the corner off penalties, kick for the corner again and get nowhere. So yeah. when the th they yeah. got a third penalty, they kicked for posts. Yeah. And mentally, that was amazing. We'd mm. broken them within that first sort of 20-minute period and said, right, you're not getting over our line by playing this sort of straight one-up rugby. I think that was, was the thing. A after that, Paddy Jackson in particular stopped kicking for territory, which is a very un-Ireland thing to do. Yeah. He stopped kicking for territory um, and was running everything. And he obviously, he scored from a, a good line, but... He's not really that much of a running threat, so he was just giving it, shipping it on to Henshaw and Ringrose, and our defence could could deal with it. Yeah. Um, Should we talk about, I think you were getting on to worries, front row? I mean, that first 10 minutes was pretty terrifying for a Scotland fan. Three um, three penalties straight away. Yeah, my, my heart really sank in that first five minutes. I, oh, yeah. I, I thought we were done, if I'm honest with you. Um, and I think, you know, great to see sort of the skill level of the Scotland team that we were, I think we said, there was only about six scrums. And we actually, as a team, I think only had like one scrum in that whole game. And we won it. And we 100%, won. 100%. 100%. <laughs> um, and I think, I mean, Ross Ford actually looked all right when he came on. Yeah. I know. And it seemed to really, um, and with, with him and Gordon Reid, that scrum looked really, really solid, actually. Um, but yeah, going up against France, which we'll talk about later, their pack is very big like a really, joke how big it is really um, really big so it'll be interesting to see whether they say they're going to make a change in the front row they think the only my man was telling me this morning that the only sort of position of contention is Gordy Reed for Dell possibly but he didn't know this morning but he said everything else was going to stay the same so that's as much intel as we've got to go on the thing is is there was those scrum penalties and I literally couldn't tell you who was at fault in the slightest. Exactly. So, I don't know. I, I think Hope, I think Gordon Reed, if he does come in, will give a bit more sort of stability. I thought he was quite good as well, actually, around the park. Gordy's putting himself around. No, he was. I, I think Gordy's good. Rumours of a big money uh, move to London Irish next year as well. So, yeah, you know, he's, a tr he's, he's turning some heads. Good on the man. Um, first 40 minutes, really, really good. 
I thought that when we ra- when we went twenty one eight up at half time, yeah, I think we immediately went into let's defend this lead yeah. mode, and immediately laid law slowed down. But let's talk about a man there. Let's talk about captain. He had a hell of a game. Yeah, I thought he was great. I think, but I think Alan's point is very valid. But but at the start when Scotland were playing with that tempo and attack I think that he leads a lot of it obviously it's when he has front foot ball but yep. I think he's very good at getting his running into the games at, and marshalling things um, and I think that his sort of leadership is, is really important and obviously the goal kicking we all know about that but he still bangs over the kicks when they're, yep. when they're important and need to be made so I think for I him think he's to still have, very important I think for him to have a 100% day was really important I think he's really great when he's on the front foot and I think that one of my favourite mar- points of the game, and it's been replayed a little bit in the sort of analysis of Connor Murray being scared, was Greg lined him up at one... There was one ruck where there was no, there was no post, and Greg lined him up. Oh, really? And then he... Connor Murray was going to kick it, but he didn't, and he tried to do a short pass, and it was, it was a knock-on, and then um, l- uh, Finn picked it up and ran with it. Turnover ball, and it was because Greg was down on his haunches, like, lining up Connor Murray when he was going for a box kick. It was absolutely awesome. I mean, that must be the first time Laidlaw <laughs> has lined anyone has up. Has lined anyone up <laughs> in his entire life. I think so. No, it was absolutely brilliant, though. But I think the sort of worry for me is I think Laidlaw, Laidlaw's performance massively impacts Russell. And you can see how much more comfortable Russell is playing at that pace. And I think once Laidlaw brings down the pace, it brings down Russell. Yeah. And I just think... And, and I'm sure they, look, they, they all know this. Um, and I just think if we, against France, especially a team that has a big pack and has had fitness issues in the p- past, if we can maintain that pace we had in the first half, we should hopefully be able to run them off the park. I, I com- completely agree. I just want to make a couple more points. I think Greg, just on Greg, his control, last five minutes, he made a choice to kick. I think we'd gone one point up and we got another penalty and he kicked it to the corner. And I think it was... To keep the ball down that end so Ireland didn't get a restart at the yeah. other end. It looked like a weird decision. Yeah, but some people were like, oh, well, Scotland were going for the bonus point. That I don't think that's what it was at all. I, I, I think it was him keeping... He didn't want to kick a penalty and give them five minutes to batter yeah. at the other end. Yeah. Which I thought was brilliant. And watching him, I was in, in the East End, so it was, oh, when he kicked that final um, goal, it was right in front of us. But he was bringing people closer to him because Richie Gray and Johnny Gray were standing at sort of a little... Um, we're standing a little bit further away. And he was actually saying, no, come closer, because I'm not passing it more than two foot. And you're yeah, going yeah. into the first man, which I just thought was brilliant for closing out a game. And, you know, we, g- we got there because uh, Greg was marshalling them around the park. Yeah. I, just before we move on, I'm going to sort of open up my, my cupboard and pull out my sort of negative cloak of negativity. Ooh. Just uh, Obviously, the game was great, but... If if I'd said to you all before the game, should Scotland win if Ireland underperform, Conor Murray doesn't have a good game, and Sexton is out? Yes. Yeah. Like. So we did. That's good, isn't it? Whilst whilst I think it was great, I almost think we're slightly getting. We're, I I think we should have won that game. Like it's not like a massive surprise. And okay. And I I just think. I don't know. I, I, I think we, we should have won it, and thankfully we did. We nearly shot ourselves in the foot in the second half. But we're a good enough team to put that Ireland team away. Yeah, I, I take that. And I think 
but I think it's a gr- after the autumn and losing to uh, Australia twice in the last sort of six months, very famously, um, in these th- those sort of periods, we went behind. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. After half an hour of getting battered and losing, and we went behind and then ended up winning. And I think that is, that's the best takeaway that we've got from it, is that we managed mm. to dig ourselves out of that hole, which I think, cause I think is brilliant. I think it, it really sets in a good... But I, I take your point, and I think we should beat France as well. I don't think there's any team that we should really be thinking, possibly England, but I think we can beat every team in this competition. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, on, that, on that note, should we, should we talk about No, just very, very quickly, France, we, have to, um, we have to announce our cornerstone, ma- cornerstone man of the week. Oh, yeah? I think um, we've talked about him, Captain Fantastic, Greg Laidlaw, the cornerstone of the Scottish performance. And um, because, well done, Greg, we can offer this to you and to all of our listeners. Um, and that is £10 off your first order on the Cornerstone Razors. It's um, the GQ Razor of the Year. Alan, freshly cornerstoned, is looking incredibly yep. sharp today. Um, so for that, for £4, you get a hand-engineered precision shaft. You get your, um, your, le- your name engraved on it, or three initials of it anyway. Um, you get six blades. That's all for four quid. Just put thistle in at checkout. And um, that is unofficially Greg Laidlaw approved as the Cornerstone Man of the Week. Well, that, that also, the, the most famous user of the, Scot- of the Cornerstone the rugby, on the Scottish rugby team is Gordon Reid. I mean, look at look Gordy at his Reed, yeah. He uses it on his head. He uses it on his head. And Simon he Webster used to use it Simon as well. Simon Webster used to use it. He, he was, was one the of the archetypal... Archeti- yeah. Architects of yeah. Cornerstone. Yeah. So there you go. Get in Thistle at checkout on the Cornerstone website. It's really, really good. Um, and you can look like Alan Little. It's a very, very good chance. <laughs> Brilliant for anyone who's seen him. Um, right, so after that, France, Sunday. Matt, how are you feeling? Um, I'm actually quite worried because I, I thought the England-France game, whilst not a sort of a great spectacle, was, was really interesting. And I think the main, the main reason behind that is that the France pack really fronted up to the England pack and really took it to them. Um, and I think that in recent years, Scotland have really struggled to do so against the England pack, and to see that, I think, is just a bit a bit worrying for me. I think the likes of sort of just big, big guys, big ball carriers. Um, got At- Antonio, the prop, who, as far as I can see, weighs 152 kilograms, 24 stone. Excuse <laughs> me, no one in Scotland has ever been that big. Certainly not. Been, certainly well, not. Certainly no not an athlete. athlete. No <laughs> athlete. I mean, maybe in the darkest recesses. You got some obese people, but um, I also think that 
like Pickemo is just unbelievable. Pick-em-o. I think he's the best player in the tournament. Do you know what was good about Pickemo though? Because you always talk about his ball carrying and everything. Everyone knows about that. But it was like his soft skills, like his passing and his offloading and just everything was just uh, unbelievable. It's not even just like the size of the, um, the forwards though. Like some of the backs, they're all absolute monsters. Yeah. Like Fuku, Lamarat, Vakatawa. Is that right? Yeah, got it. Good enough. Um, Nakatuka. <laughs> Nakataki? Nakataki. It, something like that. Like, Scott Sperling's pretty big, lad. I, I think... I mean, just, we're just reeling off all these French-sounding um, names. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think, again, it's just, can we defensively hold them? Because I, th- I think we're going to score tries. We're gonna be. Yep. We're gonna be able. Definitely. If we have chances, we're gonna score tries. And it's just defensively, how much can we um, front up? And hopefully, if we can take from the Ireland game, especially with the way sort of Watson, Strauss, Ferguson were sort of putting in those quite like dominant tackles. Yeah. Um. Hopefully, it should be all right. But yeah, no. France, you know, post that sort of New Zealand game in the Autumn International, when for about sixty minutes they were probably the best team on the pitch. And for about 70 minutes against England, they were probably the better team on the pitch. Um, I think the sort of rejuvenated French side at home, it's going to be a tough ask. It's going it's to be really, really hard. But I, I think we can do it. I, 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 look, I look through this team and, you know, like Camille Lopez, Finn's, I think Finn's a better 10 than him. I, I mean, I Camille Lopez is pretty class, but yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I, th- I think Finn's better. And I, I think, do you think the double header that... Glasgow did, and obviously there's like 11, Glasgow, 10 Glasgow starters in the Scotland team. The double header against re- racing, in, who was the same sort of build of pack and things like that, same sort of style of rugby, roughly. Do you think that sort of lessens the sort of fear factor of going down to, to Paris on Sunday? Um, yeah, I think so. I think the winning in France was a really big thing, and there are a few racing guys in, in the in the French team. Um, I still think, I'm not sure the last time that Scotland have won at the Stade de France, which might still be a bit of a monkey off their, off their back. Ooh. Was it Hastings? Remember when Hastings... No, it, did we not win it when Sean, Sean Lamont scored? That was a home. Was it? it was yeah, we have I, th- I think it was Hastings... Off the, the Tooney Flick? Yeah, off the Tooney Flick. No, didn't, didn't we beat them when we won the Grand Slam? Well, in... in we, won the, we won the championship in, in 1999. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah, that was the last time we, we beat, beat them. Out. We beat France and and, Eng- and Wales beat England. Yeah, and Townsend Townsend scored because he scored in every game. Did he not? Yeah. In that? Yeah. So that's the last time. So quite a long time ago. Quite long. Nineteen ninety nine. That's yeah. yeah. So wow. that that's a bit of a worry, and I just think that the likes of Pickhamall could really dominate. He is I, a game changer. Going back to him, but I think he could really dominate. Um, and the scrum is a worry. And you look at the size of the French pack, and the guys they brought off the bench, like you know Slimani, who came on, he is a a very good scrummager. So I'm just I'm just a bit worried in that respect. But I think in terms of we're just as good a, a rugby team, we're just as skillful, and uh, as Alan said, we will score tries. So I'm not worried about that. I think our backs are probably more exciting, more likely to, to sort of score yeah, tries. I think what it's got to be is we've, we've got to do exactly what we did against Ireland, get out and score points early, get points on the board, hopefully sort of rattle France. Because famously, the French um, French crowd turns on the team very, very quickly if they think they're losing. Yeah. Hopefully get a bit of attitude going from these French lads, start crying and stuff like that, you know. Who knows? I think we just got to get out ahead of them, like we did against Ireland, and prove that we can blow them off the park. 
No, definitely. I, do you think it helps it being like a Sunday afternoon game, sort of less of a raucous crowd, maybe? Possibly. I so, mean, I mean, it's like two. I mean, actually, I guess it's two p.m. on a Sunday. Like, no one's going to be like chinned, are they? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. I reckon some Scotland fans will do a pretty good job. Well, yeah, <laughs> but um, no, it, sh- it should be good. I said, I think. I mean, m- my prediction is we're going to win. I think we're going to win as well, and I think there's so many great, there's so many players that we didn't touch on in the Ireland game who had absolutely cracking games. Like Alex Dunbar was, I thought, his best game in the Scotland jersey for a long, long time. Richie Gray plays in France, knows an awful lot of these players, can mix it with the physicality of these guys. He had his best game in the Scotland jersey for a long time. Yeah, um, at I mean, the weekend, probably the first time I've seen him where he's been better than Johnny. Probably better than Johnny. Johnny, quiet, quiet game, Gray with his twenty-eight tackles. Yeah, just just had a quiet game. <laughs> just with a quiet game with his twenty-eight tackles. But yeah, um, I think I think it was J- Johnny had a really good game. But I think Richie just every time he got the ball seemed to be getting over the gain line, and especially in that first half, he was smashing rocks all over the shop. And I actually think that having Johnny Gray in the team seems to sort of maybe just sort of brotherly competition. Yeah, I think you probably also heard our podcast when we were suggesting that Swino might start ahead of him. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I reckon he's probably he's probably pretty gutted about arse. that. He decided yeah. that he wanted to yeah. to put his hand up, but I th- I think the other point is momentum. That just getting that first win is so important. Um, and and coming back from a loss, we obviously we never win the first game, and France are coming off a loss, so that could be really important. So yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful, but I'm not uber confident. I think we're gonna win. I'm feeling good about it, Alan. Yeah. We are winning. We are winning. We're we going to win. We're winners now. This is what we do. Yeah, it's done. I'm I'm, moving, I'm, I've got it. I'm, I've got the confidence. Yeah, I'm, feeling, I'm loving it. Yeah. I'm loving it. Um, right, should we, should we crack on then? We haven't done much of a preview there, but that's about as much as we can say, I suppose. Yeah, it's fine. We're going to win. You know, we don't need to preview it that <laughs> much. It's fine. It's nice and easy. Um, right, let's talk about... Um, I'm not sure any other rugby podcasts have talked about the British and Irish Lions at all. I thought... We're going to do a quiz first. Oh, we're doing a quiz? Oh, yeah. of course. While we're still on Scotland-France, we've got a um, Scotland versus France um, special quiz from Matt, which he spent his whole time in on holiday doing. Yeah, I got in a lot of trouble for this, but, you know, it's the commitment to the pod. Um, so here we go. Uh, a France-Scotland-themed quiz, especially for everyone out there. Um, so see how you get on. Let's do it. So question, question one. Um, how many times have Scotland beaten France in the Six Nations? So since it started in, what, 2000? They've played 18 times. They've played 18 times? Yeah. Ooh, how many Scotland wins? All right, num- number two. Um, so from that famous Scotland victory over France in 2006 at Murrayfield, where, as you're talking about, Sean Lamont Sean scored Lamont, a double yeah. with that great blonde lid of his. Did he not score once away from home as well? Yeah, he did. But, but we lost. Yeah, we lost. Yeah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> so from that team, how many Scots are still playing professional rugby? Oh. I mean, I'm just going to have to have a, a stab in the dark. Do we need to name them or are we just doing a number? Just just a number. Oh, that's fine then. Oh, what? <laughs> that's, that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, names. Names? Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, I was going to put a number. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got one, Sean Lamont. Yeah, I know Sean. There you go. I know Shawnee. I mean, for a man with such an illustrious scoring record, he's scored a lot <laughs> against France. So, yeah, yeah. fair play to him. Um, 
I actually can't really think of that many. <laughs> so Yeah, neither can I. Um Right. Next question. What have we got? Right. Um so the final well, the third question is sorry, one second. Um so how many in the current how many Scotland players in the current Six Nations overall playing squad um have played in France or in the Super Fifteen? There's quite a few here actually, which is quite upsetting, I think, mildly. But um Okay. See how you do. Um oh there is quite a few, isn't there? Um, how are we doing on that? Yeah, good uh, to go. I've got a few. Well, you don't have yeah, that much time, I can probably so. do a few more. Um, okay. Yeah, go on. And then final one: What is the capacity of Stade de France, which obviously the game will be played in this weekend? Very good. To the uh, nearest, though, nearest whatever, nearest number. Um, Obviously, the nearest number. Um, okay. Got a figure? Got a number? Got a thought? Yeah. I'm still working on the um, France stroke Super 15. Uh, yeah, players. it's quite a lot of people, as I said. I've got a few down there, so I'm feeling okay. Yeah. Let's so, go for it. Right, here we go. So, first question How many times Scotland beaten France? What have we got? I've written down two, but I'm going to say three. I'm going to change it. Okay. I'm going to change on live on air to three. I wrote three, and I'm going to change to two. <laughs> That's brilliant. It is two. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm really upset about that. That's not an ideal start. Um, yeah, there you go. Pretty terrible record, but that's what it is. Um, so, from the Scotland victory over France 2006, how many Scots are still playing professional rugby? What do, do we I get for do that? Do the names or the number? No, 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 just uh, just the number. Just want the number. What do we go, got? I've, I mean, I've written down three names, but there must be more, so I'm going to go for five. Five, okay. I've also written down three names. I wrote, I wrote down Sean Lamont, Scott Lawson, and Ali Hogg, but I think there's more, so I'm going to go with four. You've changed it again to the right answer. <laughs> four. <laughs> <laughs> And you had almost all the names as well. Is so, that one Ross Ford? Uh, no, he wasn't playing then. Um, so, yeah, you've got Sean Lamont. Um, you have Scott Lawson. Uh, you have Ali Hogg, still in Newcastle. And you also have Craig Smith. <laughs> <laughs> who I playing believe what? Third Santa, division. Santa, I believe, is still playing professional rugby in France. How professional, though? Being paid, you know, it's the definition of it, Fair isn't enough. it? enough. And he's a Jew, my legend, so I had to include him there. Santa, it's what a man. Some stories about Santa. I'm already out of this. That's for another pod. Oh, uh, no, you never know. Is it one point per name of uh, Super 15 Pro, f- uh, sorry, Top 14? Sure. Yeah, why not? See what happens. I mean, I don't so, think one. But so, play <laughs> so, here we go then. What, what have we got in the current squad who are playing currently or have played in France or have played in the Super 15? What have you got, Alan? So I've got six. So my two French guys. Do you want to go one a, one about? Should we do one about? Okay. Start with France. Start with France. Richie Gray. 
Um, I put down Mark Bennett. Yeah, same. He came through the Claremont um, Academy, didn't he? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Hugh Jones. Um, John Hardy. Yeah, got them as well. Uh, are we including WPNL in this? No. I didn't because he's not in the squad. Well, that is bullshit. But I also didn't write down Hugh Jones, so. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, we can probably chalk that one up as well. That's fair. Um, I wrote Strauss. Oh, shit. I forgot about <laughs> Strauss. Uh, yeah. Uh, Cornell Dupree. I got Cornell Dupree. And then, I'm not... Have you got anyone else? Have we said Alan Dell? Nah, mate. He hasn't had a super cap. So Curry cup? Yeah, just curry cup, so that doesn't Was count. he... Uh, there's, Damn there's, you, Alan Dow. There's one more. Is it? Sean Maitland. <laughs> Sean, my have we my said, man, Tulis. Have you said Sean Maitland? Sean Maitland's... What? He's not competed in Super Rugby. Oh, he played in France, <laughs> didn't he? <laughs> no, he played for the what Crusaders. What are you talking about, you, you mental? Idiot. <laughs> I thought you meant Sean Lamont. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You've got <laughs> Sean Lamont on the brain. Final. Right, I'm giving, I'm giving Dave that one. And I don't know how many he got, but... I think we're going to make this good. final one a tiebreaker. The decider once that again seems, for the win. That seems very fair. <laughs> so what do we get for Stade de France official capacity according to the intranet? The intranet. Um, I went for 85,000 people. 85. What do you got? I think it's pretty big. I have got 79,500. <laughs> Unfortunately, once again, Alan is the winner. Oh, it come is 81,338. So rounding up. It was close. It was close. <laughs> rounding up. Rounding Everyone up. rounds up. <laughs> Come on, you've got to round up. <laughs> Not from 338. Are you mad? <laughs> of course you uh, round up. No. Um, uh, okay. So that was a good on. one, though. Well done. I right like to, yeah, right the, super, the, wire. the Super 14. Um, yeah, I had to do some uh, yeah, real research into that. And I was right, surprised. so we quickly, quickly touch on the, um, the Lions before we um, move on. Yeah. Corner, corner the market before any rugby podcast talk about yeah. the Lions. Um, let's get our thoughts out there. Who do you think did well? Who do you think did badly? Any bolters in there, Alan? So I think Hogg's the obvious one. Yeah, I think we can agree that he's probably going to start all things being equal. So I have one thing about Hogg that I'm going to throw out. So I think there's kind of four things that you need to do good as a fullback, sort of basically attacking, which is class, kicking, yep. which is class. Oh, it's spiralling on yeah, Saturday. It's, it was it's so unbelievable. Sexy. Um, so nice. Good under the high ball, which I think he's really, really improved on. Yeah, definitely. Um, actually, I remember like even like two years ago, I was never actually that confident with him, but actually on Saturday, he was, uh, he was really, really good. The one thing that does not uh, worry me is when Carney broke through and Carney, who's not a quick guy no. and doesn't have g- that good feet, one on one hog missed tackle. He missed a couple. And against and again and he got his ass saved by Maitland. Great tackle. Because Carney is slow as balls <laughs> and Maitland <laughs> is very quick. But against New Zealand, that's a try. Yeah. And it was, I a, don't bad, think, it was a bad miss. And I don't think someone like Brown is not missing that tackle. No, I, I d- it definitely is a, a gap in, in Hogg's game. I think I was reading Jerry Guskett's sort of team. He really, he excused Hogg and just said, oh, you know, you're playing 15, you end up in difficult defensive positions where you're going to miss tackles. But that one that you just isolated mm. was not a particularly difficult defensive. So no. he, he missed a tackle straight up. I, I agree with Guskett's point. 
And I, I always am of the mind that the attacker should beat the defender because they have the initiative. But I don't know. It was only Rob, as you said, it was only Rob Carney. If that's like Sevilla or Ben Smith, then um, you're kind of thinking. Yeah. Um, no, I, th- I thought he was. I think he is pretty much. When most people's he's on the minds, plane, he's he? nailed on, but you just never know. He's on, the, he's on the plane. Yeah, he's on the plane. To say he's on the plane, I think yeah. that's all we can really talk Definitely. about now. I think he's Definitely. on the plane. Joining him, Johnny Gray, I would say he's on the plane. Yeah, I, I hope so. But as we talked about before, it is just such a competitive position. Cruz is now getting, yeah. um, is now going under the knife, looking doubtful. Really? Well, yeah, that's the thing. And actually, it was kind of seeing Itoji play six on the weekend, you kind of thought this is good news for Johnny, but he, he wasn't well. very good. I but just don't know if he's a six, and if unless he's thought of as a six, then I, I think he's going to go as one of the second thought Henderson, Henderson had an okay game for Ireland. Tony oh, is not rubbish. at the same level. Um, Alan Wynn is, is going to go, probably. I thought he was pretty good, I actually. thought he was pretty decent. Um, but I, I, I think Johnny's going to go. What about Richie? I think he's on the move. I don't think he's on the plane yet. Yeah, I think he's on the move. I think if he pulls out a couple more performances like Saturday, I think he's up there with like your lunch breaks. Yeah, definitely. Um, I do. I do think it'll affect him being out in Toulouse, though. He's so just kind of yeah. away from like the public eye. What about our man Finn Russell? I think he's. I think he's going. I think he on current. I think he's currently going. Yeah. I definitely put him on the plane. Uh, George Ford is off his game. Yeah. I think Farrell's one hundred percent. Farrell's nailed on because he offers so much. Yeah, and but no, I think f- if you had um, Farrell starting at ten, having Finn Russell on the bench, yeah, off. Sexton's injured. He's not. There's a lot of people talking about whether Sexton's mm. going to get back to full fitness, or whether if he does, he's as good as he was. Yeah. You know, big, bigger or not, should have his place. Um, and what do we think about Russell's halfback partner? Do we think that we agree? Was starting to play himself onto the. I think he's on the move. I don't think he's. I don't think he's on the on plane. current form. He would be the third scrum half, would he not? With yeah, I mean, he's had one good game. Ben Young's, right. ben Young's had a bad game for England. Well, he's, he's had one good game. Like I mean, you can't. I think he, he he's had a number of good games. When was his other good game? Um, he played well against Australia in the autumn. Yeah, right. Yeah, Argentina he, he, in the <laughs> autumn. Uh, Georgia in the autumn. <laughs> um, no, I mean he's on the move, but I don't. I think if you that scrum half position is going to be tricky because you've got. Um, Ben Young didn't have a very good game, but on his day is completely world-class. Connor Murray, I think you can say, is going to go. He's yeah. pretty much nailed on with that nine jersey Saturday notwithstanding. Reese Webb wasn't look, didn't have a very good game and hasn't been playing well for Wales. Yeah. Um, there's, yeah. Uh, there's an option He could very easily go. And, and we always say he plays well behind a dominating pack. And you he know? does. And he would be such a great Wednesday captain. He would be such oh, a great Wednesday. He'd be a good tourist as well. I, I reckon he'd, he'd love it. He would be a good tourist. He'd absolutely love it. Well, let's send him on. Let's send him on his way. Um, uh, can I say, I think, I think Dunbar's going to go. You think Dunbar's going to go? Yeah. I think there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of that good centres. Yeah, centres is a really interesting one. I thought Jonathan Davis was good. Yeah, um, Jonathan Davis was good. But apart from him, I think Dunbar... Really, sort of stood up, and yeah, I think he's class. Yeah, I think he offers a huge amount. What about as a little bolting option, Hamish Watson? Uh, he's been playing really, really well. I just once again, it's just such a competitive. But that number seven jersey depends what they're going to do, though. Probably pick Warburton. Hey, see, Warburton, he made one turnover against Italy, and the commentators almost creamed themselves. It was Pathetic. absolutely ridiculous. It was like he didn't even. It was actually should have been a penalty to Italy because he didn't even release the guy. 
but I can just see Gatlin picking him. Yeah. So, I mean, possibly if he has a really good, you know, keeps playing the way he is, then why not? He's pretty fearless. Yeah. Warburton is a definition of fake news. Like, <laughs> it is, <laughs> if it's a joke, it's like it. It wasn't actually. He's he, a joke. he didn't let go of the player, and like Jonathan Davis is loving it. And like you know, that shouldn't have actually been a penalty. But yeah, I mean that's whatever. It's by the by. By you the know, by. Warburton's not been but good his whole career, so but he's they, done if, pretty well so far. If they're going to start for a seven, Tipperick will start. Tipperick. If they want to go for like an out and out seven. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right on that because the England guys are all like hybrids. They don't really have yeah, a six and a half. Nonsense. They don't have sevens. I mean, Robshaw would probably go in the back row, but we're getting off. We're getting a little bit off topic there. Any other sort of Scottish um, big movers and shakers? Do you reckon? I think Maitland. That, yeah, possibly. I mean, we talked about him as an option. I I think that um, just one of my points would be that Fagerson's probably gone down in selectors' estimation a bit because of the scrummaging. Probably because of the scrummaging around the park. Around he's the park, unbelievable. He's, he's, un- he's, he's brilliant. So good for a young prop. And how many props? It's will maybe go? just six. I don't. I don't know. Eight. Quite a few. A lot of props will go. It's maybe just Five a tour. Tour too early for Ferguson. Gets a lot more scrummaging under his belt. Furlong and McGrath will go. Macavulapola. Uh, probably all the Welsh props. Probably all I mean, the crap Welsh yeah. props. <laughs> Although, everyone should check out Samson Lee's Bebo. Samson Lee's Bebo is great. Let's put that on Twitter. Yeah, we'll tweet that we'll tonight. We'll it we'll is fantastic. Samson Lee's Bebo um, is, is brilliant. A few uh, other players. I think Tommy Seymour, quiet game, still in the hunt. Seymour and Maitland, both in the hunt, I would say. I mean, hey, I can't wait to do this every week and change our answer <laughs> every week. So, that would be great. It's, it's going to be brilliant. Right up until it, uh, it gets drawn. on Well, drawn sounds like a lottery. That'd be good. Um... Shall we call it a day? Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chuck out a tip of the week, though. Go on, then. Wales-Scotland double. Wales to win against... England. England. And Scotland to beat France. That would be, yeah. I mean, be a great weekend. I think England are ready for a massive fall at Millennium Stadium. Oh, that would be so good. And I don't like Wales, but I actually think they could take them. Oh, I thought Wales were so bad against Italy, though. Italy are really bad this year. Yeah. Italy are They're really, worse really than bad this year. I, I actually, yeah, now you say it, I could, I could see it, like, you know, the whole of the Millennium Stadium behind them really want to give a, a kind of slightly cocky England oh my God, a doing. would be such a good hiding really to give good. them as well. I'm going to take that double. If you, if you don't win me any money, then <laughs> <laughs> I see you every week. Well, that's it. <laughs> a return of Alan sure thing. How good to hear that again. Um, right, so how about we call that a day then, guys? After an amazing week for Scottish Rugby, let's look forward to Hopefully a weekend. Keep up to date with us, guys, at Thistle Rugby Pod on uh, Twitter. And get yourself onto iTunes. Leave us a review. Five stars, if you please. Um, and we'll read it out on the pod next week after a big win against France. So another week gone. I'll see you later, guys. Yeah, cheers, guys. See you soon. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.